Well, we began looking in First Samuel, and um, <clears throat> I really hated to go as fast as I did last time. I, we missed a lot, a little bit. Um, but looking at these men, the life of David, um, just so many men that surrounded David's life, David himself, and you know Samuel and Saul, and all these characters here in this uh, section of the Word of God that we can glean from. And we've been talking somewhat about this matter of friendship. And uh, so we'll just continue on. I, I want to slow down a little bit, if I can, and try to maybe read a little bit more tonight. Then sometimes I um, repeat it and we don't read it. And I want to read a little bit more tonight um, and trying to get just as much as we possibly can to get our minds in the mindset. I've changed my thinking a little bit uh, about Saul. I always saw Saul more as a wicked man. And uh, I'm not saying he didn't do some wicked things, but I kind of almost get to the place I almost feel sorry for the man. Um, uh, as you kind of get into the mindset and you really read what the account and the scriptures of, of what is going on here, you, you almost feel like, to me, I, I have been... In a way, I have been where Saul is in a way. Saul um, has seemed to me now, very early on, um, really operated in the flesh a lot. Now, I don't think he did this intentionally. I, I mean, I, a lot of this would be speculation, but I'm trying to, trying to get my mind into the mindset here of, of, of where we're going. Saul, I, I, really, I really don't feel like that Saul set out to purposely be wicked and to mistreat anybody. I don't think Saul in his own mind sat down and thought, I'm going to hate David and mistreat him one day. And I'm gonna... I, don't, I don't think that's what happened. I, I think um, he deceived him himself, but I think in the beginning we saw, we started out with looking that we looked at he was a saved man. He was a saint, I guess would be a, a good word there to use. Um, he was definitely a spirit-filled man from what we, what we have seen. And, so, and we'll go back over and look at just a couple of more things that are just some good things we could say about this man. But as he moved forward and as he made decisions, you know, and, and, and again, it's speculation because I don't, we don't have quite what's revealed, um, uh, intimately revealed inside his mind and his heart, quite like we do David because we have some 73 or more Psalms that David wrote that we can really get an understanding, uh, especially when you can place those into certain times in which he was going through something, when Absalom's rebellion or Saul was uh, pursuing him. And, and you read that psalm with that kind of thinking. And so you really get a better idea of, of, of the heart of David, uh, this, that, the, the shepherd. And, uh, but, but looking at Saul, I, 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 as I go through there and read more and more of the account in the beginning now, um, things pretty much begin to speak for themselves here before long. Uh, but in the beginning, trying to understand where did this man go wrong? I've been in church uh, not nearly as long as some of you have, but I, I, I have seen good, saved, spirit-filled people go wrong. I've seen that. Now, I can't say they were spirit but I don't have the, you know, the, the recorded scriptures on them, but, but I mean, they seem to have that kind of fruit. 
And uh, so uh, they, they, they bore fruit that they were born again. They bore fruit that they were spirit-filled, serving God with joy. And, and I've seen them make mistakes and go wrong, as, as I'm sure many of you have, and maybe you have. Uh, and the Lord allowed you to get back. And so um, but what I, I, I believe, what does the Bible say about the Old Testament? It's written for our learning, right? So what can I, where, where can I find in these scriptures of where Saul went wrong? Uh, I don't believe God was playing games. I don't, I don't believe he was um, uh, toying, with, toying with Saul in any way. I believe he, he allowed him to be anointed king. And uh, uh, he had purposed him to establish a kingdom in his name. And uh, just because God knows the future that that was not, that things were going to go the way that it did, did not mean that it was some kind of chess game that he was playing for entertainment in the beginning. I just don't believe that. So God's foreknowledge about the future doesn't mean that what he says today, he doesn't mean, though he knows it may not work tomorrow, right? So, so don't let that. So I believe that this is on the outset, that this is how it's begun. Samuel is, it, uh, uh, finds Saul. We read it in the chapter, ninth chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. And uh, he finds this man. And, and I, I want to add just a few a little things in here. And I began to uh, write characteristics about Saul, and I'll, I'll deal with that later on, just in my own personal reading. Uh, but um, Saul was definitely a narcissist, was he not? I mean, Saul always refused to take responsibility for his actions in a meaningful way. He knew how to say that he did, so that you thought that he was a good person. But we know in his heart what really happened, because he never changed his actions, right? And so he was really narcissistic. It was all about him. And in fact, years ago, I titled, and this would be more in pastoring, uh, in, in my position, but you, you can think of, especially in leadership, these things are important. You say, well, I'm not pastoring a church. Well, you're leading your home. If you're a man, you're ahead of your home. You may be a boss. You may be out there on the job. You may be in leadership positions one way or the other. And so I thought I entitled Saul's life was Saul versus the world. Because that's where it got to in Saul's life. He was so selfish and so narcissistic. It was him versus everybody else. And it didn't matter if he had to kill his own son to accomplish revenge. It didn't matter what it took for him to get what he wanted. He was going to have it. He was narcissistic. He was not a shepherd, certainly, was he? And so, um, um, but now here's, here's something that's strange now. Um, now, I, I don't, the Bible doesn't ever specifically call him a shepherd. We know David tended the sheep, right? So you could call David a shepherd. And he's picturing the great chief shepherd, David did. But I've heard a lot of people say, well, well Saul wasn't ever a shepherd. I don't know if you could say that because we're going to come across a verse here that said that when he had come from tending his flock, or excuse me, herd, he uses the word herd. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think in the beginning, uh, things started out just as right as they did with David. He was saved. He was spirit-filled. We cover this Sunday. And I want to say just a couple other things. If you're in 1 Samuel chapter number 9 still, and we're going to move pretty quick to chapter number 10. Uh, well, let, no, let's just go on chapter number 10. I, I hate to do that, but I, we don't, before we go back and try to recover things again. Uh, so... Um, Chapter number 10, and let's begin reading. Well, let's start. Well, let's, let's slow down here. Verse number 1. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? 
Can we never please never forget the people in this building belong to the Lord? And that's not just good for a pastor to remember. That's good for all of us to remember. When you're dealing with your brother and sister, that person, Christ died for them. Is that part of that in Romans that we went over? For whom Christ died? And so we need to treat them uh, as though we are very reverent of who their father is. Um, we do that in the world. I, I, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about out in the world. Uh, There's certain people that you won't fool with cause, uh, uh, because of who their mom or dad is, right? But how come in the church we'll treat each other just as terrible as we... Uh, why, why is that? You know that? You know that our Father is in heaven, the Lord of glory? That's who my dad is. That's my father. And that's your father. And so I better take real care when I'm dealing with you or I'm dealing with a sister, right? Or a brother in the Lord. All of us need to do that. This is to be captain over his inheritance. When thou art departed from me today, thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelah, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found. And lo, thy father have left the care for the asses and sorrow for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God. To Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. Now look at verse number 6. And the Spirit, capital S, of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs are coming to thee that thou doest occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. So let's just try to remember now. Um, yes, God knows that it's not going to work out with Saul. Everybody agree with that? God knows that. God knows everything, the end from the beginning. He has declared it. That's part of one of the reasons that makes him God. He has declared the end from the beginning. God knows everything in between. And so he knew what was going to happen with Saul, nevertheless, just like he knew what was going to happen with, Jude, with Judas, did he not? Yet he did what? Washed his feet, fed him, sat down with him, let him serve in his congregation. But he knew he was a snake. So that didn't change the way God dealt him. So, so he knows Saul's not going to, he knows what's going to happen in Saul's life, but he is still with him. Is that not what your book said? God will be with thee. I don't see any problems now. I see a man named Saul who is going to be anointed king over God's inheritance by the man of God, Samuel. And Samuel's going to anoint him. Now, we've not got there yet, but it's going to happen where they're going to go through the actual process of ordaining him or making him king. And so uh, I don't see anything in Saul's character that, as at this point that would lead me to think something's wrong with Saul. Does anybody see anything so far? If you've read any of the length of time uh, in these first two chapters, in these first two chapters we're dealing with nine and ten, I don't really see anything that makes me think. Hold on a minute now, that something's not right. 
Something about Saul, he's self. I don't see anything at this time. So all I see is a saved man, a spirit-filled man, and uh, a man that was small. I added this in, but you remember we read over this uh, here moving a little bit forward. Look at, uh, flip back in verse number 21 of chapter number 9. You remember that statement that Samuel made to him, and he said, when you were small in your own eyes... So what does he mean by that? Well, let's look and see of his own words. Chapter 9, 1 Samuel, verse number 19, Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer, go up therefore to me in the high place, for ye shall eat with me today. Tomorrow I'll let thee go, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? Boy, what a blessing there. Look at verse 21. Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all of the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? So he's a humble man. And in the beginning, Saul was seemingly a humble person. He started out, Samuel said, look, all of the desire, all the eyes of Israel upon you. And he turns to him and says, but who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm, from, I'm a Benjamin. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm, the, I'm from the least of the tribes. And of that least tribes, my family is the lowest of the low. Right? That's how he felt. And Cam, that's about how I felt when God called me to preach. I'm the, I'm the least of the least of the least. That's how I felt. Now let me say this. That's how I failed, but in the 10 years before God punched me out and put me in the ministry, God showed me I was not as humble as I thought I was. Anybody ever, ever, anybody ever proud of not being proud? I'm so proud I'm not proud. Thank the Lord. I'm not as proud as some of these fellows. You know, that's pride, you know. And, but you don't know that. In your own understanding, until God begins to show you what you are from these scriptures, you don't even know what's in your heart. Right? It's deceitful above all things. I didn't even know that was in there. I, I, had, I had come along. That's why I am for when you get saved, you better find you the man of God who Samuel, when he's talking about Samuel, find the man of God, sit under a preacher and listen and stay in the Word of God and be faithful to church. That'll do more for your character than any Bible college could ever do for you. And, and because once you'll begin to learn things about, you'll face situations and then God will use the Scripture to show you yourself. So, so in the beginning, I thought, you know, well, I, I won't have a problem with pride. You know, preachers would warn me, Brother Reed, they'd say, now be careful when you get in the ministry, be careful of pride. They would name uh, uh, th uh, three things. I added one later on. But you know, the uh, uh, finances, females, and fame. So one thing, I put a foul mouth in there, four. That's four things young preachers need to be careful about. But fame was one of them. And they said, well, be careful as the Lord begins to bless you and use you. You'll let pride. And I thought, man, I don't even want to do this. You don't have to worry about pride in my heart. I don't even want to be here. God's making me do this. I, don't, I didn't desire this office. I didn't call myself. And I really didn't think I'd ever have a problem with pride. And just let one little old situation come up and, and pride reared its ugly head up. I didn't even know it was in there. I thought I dealt with all that. I thought when God saved me, all that stuff was so and so. What I'm saying is this. Be careful about your estimation of yourself today. 
because you may not really know what you might do until you face that situation tomorrow. That's why you got to be careful when you're criticizing others and you're looking at them and their situation and you're saying, well, I would never raise my teenagers like that. I would never do that. And it's always from people that don't have any teenagers. They are the best at raising teenagers. If you want to know how to raise a teenager, ask somebody who don't have any. And I better not come down the steps. I'll probably fall. I'm too dizzy. But uh, so, so uh, be careful with what I'm saying. As I've heard many of preachers say, my kids will never do that. Oh, you better be careful with that. I've heard that so many times. I'll tell you one thing. My family will never. You better be careful. It's the grace of God. Some of us ain't bad messed up. See, I don't know what I would do. There are some situations right now. I know uh, some people that are still faithful. Brother, oh, they're still serving God, still doing great. I don't know if I'd have made it through that. I know a little bit about myself now, and I'm about as weak as they come, spiritually and emotionally. I, I, and physically anymore, God's tearing me down in all wonderful places. But uh, uh, what I'm saying is, be careful. That, that's why we must be careful. Because in my, this is really what I believe. Saul's heart and his flesh was just the same. It's just like you and I when we're made a new creature, right? He still had the old man. And so what he did not realize, though at the time, the estimation of what he thought the estimation of himself was, I'm a nobody, it's not long before he thinks he's everybody. What happened to the man who thought he was nobody? My question is this, was it ever real? I don't know that it was ever real. He just didn't know himself. His thoughts at the time was that he was a humble man. Who am I? I'm a Benjamite. My family's the least of those. Why would you even be speaking to me, let alone make me a king? That's his thoughts. But, oh, man, when he gets in these situations, you find out it's all about Saul. He's the most important thing under God's son. He doesn't even know this. You realize that? about yourself. So please, please, we all of us, we need to be really careful when we're criticizing other people because I'll tell you the way God works with me. When I'm criticizing others, God will give me a perfect opportunity to be able to walk right in the same shoes as them. Just see how good you do with it. Well, we got to be careful only. Okay, so Saul, I'm small in my own estimation. In my estimation, I'm a nobody. I, I, I'm just as humble. I don't think I'm as nothing. I'm just a poor little old nothing. That's his estimation of himself in the beginning. Now, the reason I say that I believe that it's probably real is because Samuel seems to say that it is, and I believe he'd be speaking under uh, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I believe when he said, when you began, you were little in your own sight. So I'm going to give you my estimation. My estimation in the beginning, Saul was a man. God saved him. God put him in his family. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. God gave him a place to serve. Does that sound familiar? All of us saved, spirit-filled, and serving. That's what we ought to be today. Not spectating, spirit-filled, saved, and served. That's what we got to be doing. And so God done that for him, just so happens for him. It was a place of leadership. He put him in as going to install him in here as king. And so in the beginning, he, in his estimation, he's lowly in his mind. He's got a humble spirit about him, but he's no coward. Right? He'll still stand up for things that are going wrong. We're going to see that in just a minute. He'll stand up for what's right. So, so he's, not, he's not humble to the point of weakness. We would call it meekness. And I believe this is probably correct about the man Saul. So I don't think it was a cloak that he wasn't this way. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking something, how he dealt with, that's what life is, but a sum of choices that we make. As he goes along and faces these situations, he makes one wrong decision after another. 
So he started out right. It wasn't that he started out wrong. I think that's kind of important to remember. So let's go on. So Saul was in the beginning. He was saved, spirit filled, and he was small in his own estimation, in his own mind. And so uh, you're in chapter 10. Go down with me just a little bit. Let's skip some of this uh, because we covered most of that already. The Spirit of God in verse number 10 comes upon him and all those things as, as you move along. Um, look, at, uh, look at verse number 20 of chapter 10. Saul had, uh, excuse me, Samuel caused all the tribes of Israel to come to hear. The tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to, be t- to come near by their families, the family of, um, I believe they pronounce it Matthew. Try. Uh, that's the proper way to pronounce it, uh, but that seems odd to me. Was taken, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Now, this is going to, this is going to get interesting to me. To, to me, it's just whole things changing for me as I think through this thing. Does anybody in here believe that they would never end up like Saul? I don't. I'm just as capable to end up like Saul as anybody else in here. We all have that ability in us. And I've heard one man preach it. I don't remember who preached it. But it was a great message. Uh, I, I remember a lot of the things that were said, and I just can't remember who preached it. Uh, but he was talking about uh, there's going to be two. Uh, there's two that can rule on the throne. And it's up to you to who, who's going to rule, and it's Saul or David. And he's talking about you want to rule yourself. You want to be the, let the flesh rule, or you want the Lord Jesus to rule. And, and it was a great message. But I believe all of us have the capabilities to start out right, saved, washed in the blood of Jesus, sins forgiven, heaven bound, spirit filled, placed to serve. God's using you in the army. God's done all these miraculous things for you. And look how he starts out. We already saw before this miraculous transformation in chapter number 9, he assumes that he's small. He thinks that he's really small. And then in chapter number 10, we come down to verse number 21 and we see, excuse me, in verse number 22, we just read verse 22. 21, read verse 22. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further. If the man should yet come thither, and the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the staff. Now, now, this reminds me of being called to preach. Does anybody else remember when the Lord has dealt with you? And it may not even be about preaching. It may be about doing any kind of service for the Lord. Well, not me. I'm a nobody. I can't do that. I, I, I'm just God. Why would God use me? Look at my past. Look at my family. My family's been a wreck. I've used every one of those excuses. And not only that, he tried to run from it. Look at verse, 20, verse 22, chapter 10. He hid himself with the stuff. I think he was hoping that they would pass him up and pick somebody else to do it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As an onlooker, here's where, here's where we got, this is where you got to be so careful. This is why I pray and, and why we've mentioned so many times these churches that don't have a pastor. I've got another letter right here uh, from another church uh, that's, that's without a pastor. They've been without a pastor for some time asking me if we got any preachers uh, that we could send up there uh, to preach and to fill in for them. And, and, but, but let me explain something to you. If I was on the pulpit committee and I saw a man like Saul and the way he's acting, I'd vote for him. I don't want the guy that's going, pick me. I got this. I'm, I got this under control. I've done this before, and I'll show these people how to do it. I, I don't want that guy. Right? He's easy to spot. 
<laughs> you can pick out those arrogant type people pretty easy. You can pick them out pretty good. But Saul seems to me to be such a humble man that he doesn't want to do it. He's over here hiding down behind the stuff. Don't pick me. <laughs> and I'd be thinking, that's probably who God would use is that, God, that man that doesn't want the, that doesn't want the preeminence. And now, is that not normally true? God's not picking out the qualified. He's qualifying those that he picked out. So, so man, it seems right. It seems like Saul is, is he's humble, man. He's, he's small in his own estimation. He's got, a, he's got a testimony that we know at the very least. He's a spirit-filled, saved man who's humble. Not only in his own words, by his own actions. He's sitting there going, man, let somebody else be in charge. Now, generally, with me, that's the kind of person I'm looking for. I don't want the people that are constantly looking for some kind of position in the church. I just want a name. I just want power. I just want to be lifted up. Man, those people are dangerous. But those are easy to spot. What about the ones that, that think they're deceived themselves? They don't even know it. They think they're humble, and they're really not. I was that way. I was that way. But God's in the business of humbling men. That's why I'm against this idea of getting these preachers called to preach and finding a place for them and preaching. Go serve somewhere. Just get busy. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Run to the mission field. Do this. We don't need more people in the mission field. We need more saved, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost. God called, God sent people on the mission field. God just didn't send warm bodies over there. He sent the best he had. So, those, those are the ones that concern me. It's the ones that you can't see. That's why it's so, it's so important. You, can I say something? I don't care what anybody says. If they're not in church and they're not in the Word of God, they are not going to grow as a Christian. It's impossible. If you don't stay in your Bible and you're not under good Bible preaching and you're not involved in a church where there's wonderful opportunities to be offended and see how you respond... You're not going to grow just hiding away in your little cave. You're not going to grow at all because you've never faced nothing. You may think you're humble, but let somebody rise up against you. You may not be as humble as you think you are. See, we don't find out the truth until later on. And Saul starts facing some of these problems. We see what's really down inside his heart. That's why when he talked to him again and he goes to pick out David, that's why he tells him, you've got to just lean on me. I look upon the heart and not on the outward appearance. God knows the heart of people. That's why we got to pray. That's why when y'all are looking for a pastor, you know what you did? You met and you prayed. Right? Because I'm easily fooled. You could be fooled. I mean, we're fool- we can be fooled. But nobody's fooling God. So, hallelujah. All right, so, so there's, and I know there's so many important things to church. I mean, we come to worship God. We come for good fellowship. But part of the other reason is we're being conformed to an image. And the only way to do that is to face some things in your life. Think, oh, I'm really humble. We'll see. We'll see. Because I can promise you, I'll preach something for long and find out if you're humble or not. Because <laughs> the devil will take it and say, he did that on purpose. <laughs> You give me too much credit. I'm not that smart. <laughs> I can't even remember. I can't even remember if Amber didn't remember to put my pen in my pocket and my Bible. I wouldn't even know if I'd bring you one of those. Isn't this good? I mean, think about Saul. So here it is. Now let's let's move quicker. Oh, we got him. All right. So so 
We see he's spirit-filled. We already saw that in chapter 10. We see that he's small in his own estimation and seemingly by his actions in verse 22 he's hiding. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders upward. Okay? So get a picture of Saul. Saul, though he was hiding over here behind all the stuff, he had to have something big to hide behind. He was a big fella. And uh, so, uh, at least tall-wise, uh, so uh, he was uh, head and shoulders above the rest kind of thing. So he was, he was no, he was no, he was no uh, uh, I guess on the outside, looking at Saul from the outside, which can be deceitful. This, this is why I'm giving two examples. Which, uh, uh, he's small by his own words, which can be deceitful. But his actions show that he's small. But then he stands up and it shows that he's strong. So visually looking at him, you'd think, oh, that's a pretty strong fella. Hey, I've been fooled by that. Any of y'all play football? I remember I was a quarterback and I was, I was going to Carter and, uh, and um, Carter High School and I, and, and I got to about my senior year, this boy trans, uh, transferred in or we, uh, and we tried to get him to play and he decided to play. He was huge. And we got him on that football field and I had to put Jordan up against him. He was terrible. I thought, what a waste of six foot six, 300 pounds. Why don't you just go home and eat a bowl of cereal and watch Saved by the Bell or whatever it is you watch and just forget the football the rest of us. He was, he was weak. But to me, when I looked at him, I thought, man, he's going to be good. He's strong. The looks are deceiving. Be careful with looks. I've seen people in Baptist churches and they look good. But you get them outside of church when nobody's looking. And when that inside comes out, some people, all they care about is looks. You see, that's the easy part. Isn't that right, brother? It's easy to get the looks done. I can go out here and I can take the meanest drunk in Harriman. I can put a suit on him. I can shave him up. I can get his hair fixed right. I can put a King James Bible to his arm. I can teach him how to act and I can walk him in here and probably very few people would know he wasn't even saved. You can get anybody to dress right. There's people on Wall Street tricking widows out of millions that look like me and you. (laughs) That's the easy part. You know what's hard? Thinking that you don't have any pride and then facing a situation where that's all that pours out of you. <laughs> then you got to go to repairing it. That's hard. But that's the Christian life. So be careful with looks. Looks can be very deceiving. When you're looking for a mate, be careful with looks. So Saul looked the part, did he not? He was head and shoulder above. He looked strong. If I was looking for a king, it wouldn't have been what Jesus is described as. Would it you? If you had Saul standing here and you had David standing, let's just even use David. The Bible says he was ready. He looked like a little boy. Now, he's a, he, now what none of us know, he's on the back side over there tending them sheep, slaying bears and lions. He's stronger than the rest of them. But you, we don't know. So standing there looking at him, you look at Saul, who's so scared, too scared to even face Goliath. But I mean, man, he's a big old boy. And you got little old David over here. Who's the strongest of the two? Well, we know who it is. Looks can be very deceiving. Even with Jesus, there's no comeliness about him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. That's what what they stumbled at when they were looking uh, for a Savior. When they came and saw Jesus, they said, surely it can't be him riding that little old donkey. 
No, our king's going to be strong and big and mighty and powerful, and he's going to be. <laughs> they stumbled at it. Why? Because they're looking on the outward. So I'm, I'm not saying that was unimportant. I'm saying prioritize it right. The outward ought to be the easiest part of your life. Because that's the easiest thing to do. And when you're looking at other people, don't be fooled because they look right. Some of the meanest people I know look right. Saul looked right. But I will say this about him. Because we have further proof. Oh, I'm going too slow. Well, let me just mention this last thing here. Saul, Saul, we see right here in the scriptures, when they go and fetch him, he's uh, higher than any other people from his shoulder up. So it seemed, it, seemed to, it seemed to me like, I guess if I'm interpreting it right, anybody else that come close to Saul, the top of their head would be at his shoulder. That's a big old fellow. That looks like a king. If I'm looking, going to pick one out. I want the strongest one, so when I walk down and somebody gives me a problem, I'll be, hey, that's my king over there. He'll kill you. I wouldn't fool me. That's how, that's how we are. And so we see Saul, but I'm going to say this. So, so that's, that's how it looks, but it seems to be true. He's a strong man. Let's look at what happened with Saul. So uh, Samuel said, all the people see whom the Lord has chosen. There's none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Samuel told the people, the man of the kingdom, wrote it in a book, laid it for the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Saul also went home to Gibeah. And there went with him a band of men whose hearts... God had touched. Now we gotta stop here. This is gonna I, there's so much I wanna. So here's something else. So Saul saves Spirit Field. He's small, he's strong. I, I wanna I wanna look at a couple other things. There's, there's one, one, one other place I want to make that point. We saw verse 23 of how it looked. Let me let's turn quickly over before I mention this next part. Turn to chapter 11. Look at verse number 7. I'm going to start in verse... Well, let's start, let's start in verse number 6, okay? And the Spirit of God came unto Saul when he heard those, those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. So we're not talking about a man now who's down there hiding, oh, please don't pick me. I don't want to be the one that's a leader. Let somebody else be the leader. We're not talking about that. We're talking about now he's angry. Now he hears about what's happened and the Spirit of God comes upon him and his anger gets kindled greatly. So, well, people shouldn't be so, so you shouldn't be so passionate about things. <laughs> well, David got angry too. So did Jesus. So, his anger is kindled greatly in verse number 6. Read verse number 7. He took a yoke of oxen and he hewed them in pieces. This is little old humble Saul. Now he's a big old man. And he takes his yoke and he hews them into pieces. Now look at, look at what else. And sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hands of the messenger saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel... Now, I start to see just a little bit here now of a problem. Maybe. People that are constantly name dropping bother me. Does that bother you all? 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, Brother Crabtree? It's like uh, uh, if, they want, if they want to get some, some way in with you, they'll start name-dropping people that they know that they think you'll be impressed by. Well, I was with John Duncan last week, and I was getting, you know, they do that kind of stuff. So, well, that's how they do it. Or, or when they come to your church and say, well, I was, I, was preaching, I was preaching for Randy Sutherland last week. Well, whoop-de-doo. I don't care where you were last week. <laughs> He's trying to impress somebody. He's constantly name dropping. Everywhere they go, just trying. And I, I know people like that, and they do old poor old Brother Jones that way. They'll t- carry Brother Jones' name in the earth. And it's just trying to get in somewhere. I'm fortunate enough, nobody uses my name for anything. <laughs> no. It seems like, now I could be wrong, Brother Oliver. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why he had to throw Samuel's name in here. Samuel didn't say nothing about this. This was Saul got mad. His anger was kindled. I don't think it was an unholy anger because the Spirit of God was upon him. So he's rightfully angered, but then he sends out and he shoes up. as It's already dead. So he takes the dead oxen and he cuts them up into pieces and he's going to send them out to the 12 tribes. And he tells them, he says, me, whoever comes not forth by me and Samuel. Because he, know, he knows there's people against him, but nobody's against Samuel. Everybody loves Samuel. So he name drops Samuel. Now, I don't know. Maybe there's a warning. What I'm trying to get us to see here, we, when, we're, when we're dealing with people, we need better discernment. We need to stop falling head over heels for everything that carries the King James Bible. I am tired of somebody when they come out, well, I'm from so-and-so's church. I know preachers that will hop and bounce and bob around and go to different churches just to get under that one man who's got a good name so that they can get meetings somewhere and claim his name. Well, I'm from so-and-so's church. They do Ricky Gravely that way all the time. Stay faithful where God puts you. You don't need to name drop anybody. All you know, all you need is Jesus. And that's neither here nor there. But we need to be careful about just accepting everything that comes along. Oh, well, they're from so-and-so. Well, that's kind of good that you're friends with Samuel, but I'm not going to take that anymore. I know people that do that. We have got to use some discernment, folks. We got to be careful. And if we're praying, the Spirit of God will give us discernment. We need good discernment. So he names drops Samuel here. Now, I, I'm not saying that emphatically. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that that's exactly. But, but maybe some red flags ought to be going off when you see people doing that kind of thing. Okay, so uh, that, that just shows us there that th- we're not dealing with some coward, some sissy. Uh, look at what happened here. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the people, and they came out with one consent. Now, here is the beginning of the problem. When you're having to serve a husband or serve a pastor out of fear, that's not godly. And there's been too long in fundamental churches of pastors that rule like tyrants and they rule and put people in fear. Somehow they're afraid to be what they are, afraid to be honest. They're, they rule with fear. I'm stirred up about it. There's something else that's come to my attention this past week. It's tore my, no wonder my blood pressure's up. And I, and, and I know it could be me too, and I'm trying to, but I'm telling you, I am tired of watching people in fundamental churches take positions of authority and abusing people and getting by with it and getting sent down the road to go pastor somewhere else. I'm tired of that. God is not electing men and putting men in the work of the ministry that are going to beat down on people and belittle people and berail people and make them feel like nothing. The people are the ministry. And Saul starts his ministry with a ministry of fear. 
They're scared to death of the man. They're not afraid of Samuel. They're scared of Saul. Starts out with fear. Now, fear can be a proper motivation at times. I don't want to go into this. We got to go home. There's so much in here. So, how many of you all, now, I got to be careful with this. How many of you daddies want your kids to mind you because they're scared to death you're going to beat them if they don't? Now, I'll take a little fear if, if there's nothing left. But ideally, wouldn't you like to just say, hey, I need the yard. I need somebody to weed eat the yard. And watch your kids battle it over. No, I want to do it. Daddy's been so good to us. We're going to get this thing done. Wouldn't, we love him so much. Wouldn't that be the kind? Isn't that how you want your kids to love you? Is that not how God wants us to love him? Well, I certainly fear him, but I respect him a, a, a lot. I love him more than I'm afraid of him. Look at the love that he manifested towards me. But make no mistake, he can destroy your soul and body in hell. So, now listen. Saul begins his ministry mad, angry, and striking fear in the hearts of the people. They're scared to death. Now, I've not stopped here. We're, we're done. You just get started in this stuff and you can't. So, Let me say this, even at this point, even at this point, I, I don't yet see that Saul is aware of his own narcissism. I, I still don't see that Saul is aware of how he's operating. I, I, I really don't. So I, I don't think he has set out at this point in his heart and, oh man, when God makes me king, buddy, I'm going to start killing people. I'm going to do that. I don't think that's what's happened at the start. I think he started off good. So at this point, he gets angry, and this is where we'll leave it. He gets his anger kindled. He hews up that into pieces, sends it out. Whoever doesn't come out and meet me and Samuel, the same is going to be done. And so here all the people come out. But one thing it does show, and we'll, we'll go on with so many other verses. My point was this. My point was is that he was a strong man. Yeah, I, I know a preacher that... Grace our movement, if you want to call it that, not long ago. And it seemed to be like he struck fear in people. He put fear in their hearts. But if you go back and analyze, it's hard to see it in, in, when you're involved in it. But looking back now, stepping out of the situation and looking in on it, I don't know that I have ever met a person more full of themselves. I didn't see it at the time. That's why you got to be careful about just accepting everything. Really watch and pray. Full of himself. And he hurt a bunch of people. I'll be the next one called out on Facebook if I say anymore. I'm going to leave it alone. Not that I'm afraid to. I just don't want to deal with it. No point. So we're done tonight. But let, let me, we'll, we'll finish up on this next point. He was a strong man. You can go through and see the battles that he won. And we'll, we'll, I want to show you from the Bible and not just say it is what I'm trying to do. But I'm going to say this before we're done. Hold your place or uh, wherever in chapter 10 because we'll come back there. Um, let me say this at the end. I'm not going to preach it, but this, this is my last point. He was a supported man. Saul didn't go wrong because God didn't give him people around him to help him. 
I know a lot, I know a lot of people that constantly blame everybody else when they fall or when they don't do right. Well, God, you didn't give me this person didn't help me, that person didn't help me, my church didn't support me, the pastor didn't text me. They, didn't, they just find anybody they can to find. Saul was a supported man. You look at verse number 26 of chapter 10. Saul went home to give you, and there were with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. David had mighty men, but so did Saul. And Saul still didn't turn out right. God didn't short Saul anything. He ended up wrong because he chose to make some decisions that went wrong. Not because of God and not because of anybody else. So let's, uh, we'll come back up and pick up this little study and maybe see a little bit more. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be good when we get into David and see how he contrasts all that. He makes the right steps in certain places. But Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the Word of God. God help us, all of us, to guard ourselves. We, we don't know our own selves like we think we do, Lord. And often we have thought we've had victory when we face the situation. We really don't. And so thank you for showing us what we really are, what's in us, trying our reins and our hearts and, and showing it to us and then giving us the opportunity to repent and get it right and grow. What a blessing it is to have the opportunity to repent. We don't have to stay wrong. We can get help through the Spirit of God. Thank you for that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand to your feet. We'll have one verse if you need to come. You come on, ask the Lord to help us tonight in the business meeting as well.